This is God speaking to me. Amen. Father, I thank you today that you will speak to us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that um, the Word is life. Lord, the Word is life. And God, that you give us life through your Word. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that today, that, that Word that you uh, speak to us, Lord God, that it is like a healing balm and medicine to our soul that helps us, Lord God, uh, just as it says in the book of Proverbs that the Word is medicine. Father, I believe it's medicinal to us today to heal, Lord, uh, fractured areas of our lives, Lord God, areas where we're hurting, uh, areas where our faith has started to waver. Uh, Father, and I thank you, God, that you are strengthening us, reinforcing us, building us up through the power of your Word, and giving us the life that you have destined and purpose for us. In Jesus' name, and all those agreed said, Amen. Amen. All right, perfect. So I want you to open to 2 Chronicles. I always like to start at this uh, particular area in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, if you have your Bible there. Thanks, Mike. Uh, 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. And uh, this is the testimony of what happened uh, with Jehoshaphat when three armies were coming against them. And they had a word from the Lord um, that uh, gave them direction about what to do, that they didn't need to worry about it. They needed to stand still, and they would see. A prophet began to speak uh, and uh, gave them the word of the Lord. And they, uh, they had purposed, the people had purposed, that they were going to move forward in what it was that God was saying to them. Now, in this passage in 2 Chronicles 20.20, it goes on to say this. So they rose early in the morning, they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So I want you just a couple of things if you're writing down. The word established here that's in this passage that says you shall be established, this word means to be firm, to have stability and confidence. When God gives us his prophetic direction, what he's doing is, is that he is stabilizing us. He is making us firm. He is getting us into a place of confidence for what we are about to face. And you know, it's not always easy stuff, but you know the Lord's with you. That's the thing. You know, I noticed at times, you know, like we get, because we talked about, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but, you know, we talk about supernatural increase that I, the word I got from the Lord for 2020, but supernatural increase is awesome, but it's not, it's, it's not automatic. It's like we start thinking like God is just sovereignly going to come down and give me wealth. God is just sovereignly going to come down and give me health. God is just sovereignly going to come down and jerk the slack out of my family. And like we don't play any part in that at all. I want you to think about this for a minute, and this is a great passage. In fact, the Lord spoke to me. I'll start this next weekend. But he says, I want you to teach out of the Beatitudes. I want you to go all through them. And uh, because the kingdom is going to be real important in 2020, understanding the, the principles of the kingdom. And uh, so we're going to get into this. I mean, we're going to 
we're going to dig right down into the depths of what it's all about, the Beatitudes. Jesus' greatest sermon he ever preached. And uh, so we're going to dig into that starting next Sunday morning. But anyways, you know, when we, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now listen to how he phrased it, on earth as it is in heaven. What God wants for you in heaven doesn't necessarily mean it's happening here on earth. Or you would have never, Jesus, this, these, are, these are in red, okay, in your Bible. <clears throat> now, typically that means Jesus said this. Thy, we're to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Everything. God wants you to have has already been dispersed in heaven. Everything. All the anointing you'll ever need has already been dispersed from heaven. So, well, no, God told me I would have a special, he's, he created a special anointing just for me. You're about ready to head into Wackyville. Okay, because you're not going to find that in the Bible. Everything and I've met people from Wackyville, right? Yep. See, what, we gotta, what we've got to recognize that everything God wants us to have has already been established in heaven. God isn't up in heaven recreating stuff for us. What God is doing is, is that waiting on us to align ourselves in preparation to receive. I might not get through, I might not get to the Beatitudes next week. I may have to go through more of this. So think about this. You know these passages. Uh, this is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the, it's the evidence of things that are not seen. All right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. One translation says, Faith is what you have until you get what you're believing for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. So if you can't see it happening right now, that means you, you're either in faith or you're in doubt. Right? There's only two aspects we can be in, either in faith or we're doubting, which is always going to lead to fear, but we're, e we're either in faith saying, I believe that, that's what the Word says, that's mine, even though I don't see it, I believe it, I absolutely believe it. And it's interesting, when you look at that word hope, it means earnest expectation, and so it basically says, now faith is the substance of what you are earnestly expecting to have happen in your life. Wow, Pastor, that was totally cool. What are you earnestly expecting to have happen in your life? Now, faith is the substance of that. Faith is what undergirds that. Faith is what builds that. Faith is what you have to show you that you can get to what you're hoping for. Hope doesn't mean you've got it. It just means you are earnestly expecting it. Right? The process that you and I have to work through is, is to keep our faith focused 
in what God's Word says and not focused in what's going on around us. Lauren Ward, one of our trustees, he had a, he had a revelation. Leanne, you correct me if I tell this wrong. Um, you're in here, right? Yep, over there. And uh, he said he saw this huge pile of snow all over the state of Michigan. And it was like the whole state was covered, just like piled up. But he said there was a spot that was where the church is, and it was like nothing could, could get to it, nothing could affect it. It was like God was pouring out his blessing in that one area. And he said, and, and I know, Lauren, he would never say this unless God told it to him. And uh, he said, I wasn't even thinking about the church. I wasn't even thinking about, you know, what's God you're, you're saying over the church. But he said, I saw this pastor, and he says it was so real to me. And he said, I saw this circle, and it was like this blessing was just down, coming down in that area. Now, look, you say, well, pastor, what about all the other churches? This is, your, this is where you go to church. So let's not worry about all the other churches. Let's just talk about where you're at right now. Amen that God is pouring out blessing here. And uh, just remember that we talk about what is blessing. Blessing is the power to accomplish what God has declared. Blessing is the power to accomplish what God has already decreed for you and I. So like when he says there that I will, in, when you tithe, give tithes and offerings, he says, I will pour out such a blessing that there's not room enough for you to receive it. What he basically said there is that I'm going to pour out the ability on you to accomplish everything I desire for you to have happen. You'll have the power to do it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So how do we get established? How do we find peace and be able to stand firm? We do it by believing in the Lord our God, by having faith in what he has said. Abraham, according to the book of Romans 4, believed God even when his circumstances said no way and made a decision in his life to call those things that did not exist as though they did. Now I want you to notice something there about Abraham. And you can look these verses up later. This is 4.17, Romans 4. He did not call things that exist as though they didn't. That's denial. That's not just a river in Egypt. I'll give you a second. <laughs> we don't... <laughs> Some of you, man, you just did too much partying over the holidays. I can see it. Too many cookies, man. You're like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, I get it. Yeah. All right. So if I'm looking at Dara, but I'm saying Dara doesn't exist, Dara doesn't exist, that's just denial, right? But if Dara's not there and I'm calling those things which be not as though they were, that's not there, this manifestation. So how do I get to my healing? I, even though I don't feel the healing, even though I don't see the healing, I'm saying something that I don't see, something I don't feel that doesn't really, in the natural realm, exist at this point, but I'm calling those things that do not exist, where don't they exist at? They don't exist here. It isn't here. 
but do, listen, you ain't calling nothing here that don't exist there. Bad English, but you get it. You're calling those things that be not as though they were. You're calling things that don't exist as though that that they're, they don't exist. I don't see it. I don't see debt. I, my being debt free doesn't exist yet. My peace doesn't exist yet. The depression isn't gone yet. All those things. But here's what I'm saying: You're going because God has already declared in heaven. You got to go. Hallelujah. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. You're going to be confident. You'll be able to be firm. You're going to have stability in your life. And then he goes on and he says, and you shall be established and believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Now, not everybody that says they're a prophet is a prophet. There's lots of people that are out there there are parking lot prophets, people that pull you aside in the parking lot and give you a word. There are people, and you know, and there are people that are on TV that say they're prophets. They are not prophets. Okay. But I'm not going to spend all my time telling you who's not a prophet. I'll just talk to you about who is, who we can listen to. Brother Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, he's a prophet. You can listen to what Brother Copeland says. Brother Copeland says that 2020 will be a great year of vision for God's people. They're going to have clarity of vision for 2020. You know, without a vision, God's people will perish according to the scriptures. That's Proverbs 29, 18. I hope you're writing these down. You know, here's the problem we deal with with about sermons, that if we don't write stuff down, we're not going to do anything with it when we leave. That's, I'm sorry, but you're not going to. You say, well, I'll listen to it later. And No, you won't. No, you won't. Because you haven't, and you won't. You say, well, you're ticking me off. Good. <laughs> it's for your own benefit, right? I'm just trying to help you. You're like, well, I already know that verse. Really? Do you meditate in it day and night? Do you keep it before you? Are you keeping that in front of you? On and on. Brother Copeland said it's going to be a great year of vision. Jerry Savelle, coming in line with the same things that we feel here at Amazing Grace, says it's going to be a year of supernatural increase. A great year, 2020 will be a great year of supernatural increase for God's people. In fact, he says that new doors are going to open up. I heard Chuck talking about doors earlier in the service this morning. Doors are going to open. Doors are going to open. Are you looking for new doors to open this year? Because if you, if, pardon my English, but if you ain't looking, you ain't going to see them. You got to get your head up. Quit looking at the ground. Be confident. Be established. Know that God is with you. God's hand is with you. God's purpose is with you. God's plan is with you. God is for you, not against you. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you right now. So he says, listen, if you listen to the prophets, if you listen, believe what his prophets say, you will prosper. And this word prosper is really powerful because it says in the, in the actual Hebrew language, it means to rush in. In fact, we find it in the Greek in the New Testament 
and this is so great, because in the New Testament, we find the word in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit rushed into the room. And so what it's, what it's a reference to is, is that, look, to prosper means that it's going to come so quickly. Now, what's your part? Your part is to believe in the Lord your God, what his word says, and to believe what his prophets are saying. And remember, prophets exhort us, comfort us, and edify us, and can correct us. Correct, right, correct. <laughs> Thank you. But here, here's the thing. What we, what our, that's our part, and God does the rushing in. Now, here's where a lot of Christians get into trouble because we're trying to figure out how to get God to rush in, and you're not building capacity for Him to rush in because God moves in the atmosphere of faith. He don't move in the atmosphere of doubt. He doesn't move in the atmosphere of unbelief, and He definitely doesn't move in the atmosphere of disobedience. Where he moves in is in the atmosphere of faith. And when you and I, when we have an atmosphere of faith that's built into an expectancy, because it's in the atmosphere of expectancy that there is a breeding ground for miracles, that when you and I have an atmosphere of expectancy and there's an atmosphere of faith that we're believing and we have scriptural evidence for what God has said is ours, then here's what begins to happen. We are building capacity. We are building a room. We are making room for God to do something. We're making room for God to powerfully. I'm making room for God to move in my life this year, in 2020. I made room for him this year, but I'm making more room next year because I really liked what he's done this year in my heart. One is, is that he brought me through some really tough stuff, and I am so grateful. Amen? I am so grateful for his, his goodness. But here's, here's what we have to do on our part. Well, you say, well, pastor, if he wants me to have it, then he'll just have it. Let me, let, me, let me give you a thought here. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, but there's lots of people going to hell. There, he don't want anybody to go to hell. There have been lots of people that have gone to hell. Hell's a real place. And it's forever. Once you're in, you don't get out. It's a place of eternal torment. The only way to not be there is, is that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There have been lots of people heard about God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son. There have been lots of people heard about that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, but they haven't done anything with it. And because they didn't do anything with it in their life, they didn't believe it and act on it, begin to let it infect, infect and affect their lives. Amen. Because when you really receive Christ, he infects your life. No, he does. He'll infect your marriage. He'll infect your parenthood. He'll infect your finances. He'll infect with everything he is of his spirit. He'll infect your health. He'll infect everything. Everything gets infected. Because his ultimate goal is not that you just be somebody that's going to heaven, but somebody that's transformed by the renewing of your mind here on this earth, according to Romans 12, too. Man, I'm using a lot of scriptures today. He will infect and affect your life. So there's lots of people, even have come through the doors of our church here, that heard the gospel, didn't receive it, walked out. And if they die before they've received Christ into their life, they will spend an eternity in hell. 
You say, well, well, why would a loving God do that? Well, here's what a loving God did. He sent his only son so they wouldn't have to go to hell. But they got to do something. They got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they refuse to do that, then there's nothing that can be done. Except we, you and I will pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to work on their heart. Amen. There's people here, can I just give you some, I'll give you a great testimony. I won't call names out. There are people that are here this morning that would not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. They ran from it. They ignored it. They rejected it. They got angry about it. They didn't want to hear it. But God is not moved by any of that. And people prayed and continued to pray, and God softened their heart. He knows how to soften the hardest heart. And they had an experience with God and have turned their life around with God's help. Hallelujah. See, this word prosper means it's more than just like putting money in the bank. But what it means is in the, in the, in the actual Hebrew language is, is that God wants to break forth in your life. And it's used in the context in other places in the Old Testament where the power came on somebody, like Samson. You remember Samson? You know, I know everybody thinks about Samson, big, strong-looking dude like me and, you know, and powerful, and, but, or maybe like Joe or, you know. But, but here's the thing. I don't think that says much if he was a big, powerful-looking dude. I kind of think he was a puny little skinny dude. But when the Holy Ghost came on him, he wasn't puny and skinny anymore. He was a powerful man of God. He lifted a gate up and ran after the Philistines. I mean, he, he killed a bunch of them in one day with a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he just wiped them out, 300 of them, because of the power of God. That same power is what God wants to come on you. Not so you can kill 300 people with a jawbone, okay? That's not what I said. But so that you are empowered to accomplish everything his word. That's what the blessing does. Amen. So, believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Go up to the New Testament with me in uh, 1 Timothy and uh, um, chapter uh, 1, my other passage I wanted to use this morning. Timothy ends up being the pastor in Ephesus, and he's got a pretty ch tough situation there in Ephesus um, that he has to deal with. And while he's there, um, he's dealing with all kinds of stuff. He's dealing with, in Ephesus, he's the Ephesian church, he's dealing with people are really into philosophy, and they're really into Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is, is that somehow... There's secret information that we can know that will get us closer to God, and, and uh, you know, you move up in the tiers. It kind of looks like that thing that Tom Cruise is a part of, You kind of, what Scientology, you kind of buy your way up the scale, okay? And uh, so you get more enlightenment as you move up, and then I'm glad we don't have to wait for move up a scale, amen, that when we're in, we're in, okay? We're in his kingdom, praise God. And uh, we don't have to buy our way into the things of the kingdom. But Paul, talking to Timothy, wanted to make clear to him that, listen, man, you're going to face difficulties, 
and it's going to get tough, but in verse 18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, if you write in your Bible, you could circle that word, previously made concerning you. There are things that I am telling you that have been told you so that by them, those prophecies, you could wage the good warfare having faith, he said. So see, because you have these things, you will have faith because you know that God is with you. You have the power to be able to fulfill this. You're going to be able to get it done, having faith in a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. So he says, you're going to have to wage a good warfare. My pastor said to me uh, this last year, he said, Richard, we're in a warfare. Now, if you have, you know, listen, if you didn't know you were in a warfare, you're in a warfare. You are in a warfare. And your warfare isn't with politics. It is not. Your warfare isn't even with your family, though it sometimes feels like it is. Your warfare is not with the economy. Your warfare is not with any of that. Your warfare, according to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, is with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. It's evil. That's the warfare that we fight. Evil does not want the church to win. It doesn't. Evil does not want the church to win. Evil is doing everything that it can to stop God's church. Because evil knows that when the church is not working, is not doing what it's supposed to do, evil can do whatever it wants to do. But if there's a church that's praying, if there's a church that's believing, if there's a church that's at work, if there's a church involved in the community, if there's a church that believes in the supernatural and the miraculous, then the evil does not like it. The devil hates churches like this. I'm just telling you, you, you know, I love all churches, I love all people, but he really hates this church because it's a Holy Spirit-filled church. He hates that. He hates it. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the church service and in our daily lives. This is just a reflection of our daily lives. So we believe that. And so that, look, the enemy hates that. Oh, my gosh. Because, you know, I mean, at least what, and, of course, you see this new wave of things, the watered-down church that now exists. And it's not denominational churches. It's these things that, you know, like we're, they're playing rock. They're just playing rock and roll music from the pulpit. They don't play, they don't play Christian music. One church, they played bad to the bone to open the service. I, I would hope you would crucify Chuck if he played that. <laughs> but see, we know him well enough to know he wouldn't do that. What kind of anointing do you have when you sing bad to the bone in church service? Huh? Or let's get Garth Brooks' favorite song out, you know, Blue Dis or uh, not Blue Despair, that... Uh, I have friends in low places, you know, whiskey drinking. You say, well, pastor, we would never sing that in church. Why are you sing it in your truck? Why are you singing it in your car? You don't need the anointing in your truck and car? Well, you know, I just play it when I'm studying, when I'm working. You don't need the anointing when you're studying and working? You don't need the Holy Ghost right there in the room? You say, well, bad, if pastor, is music bad? No, people are bad. Watch the lyrics you're singing this year. Well, you're telling us we can't do stuff. 
Now look, I'm not trying to get you where you can't do stuff. I'm trying to get you where you can do all things. Amen. I'm trying to get you out of bondage so you're not at the end of the year going, wow, that wasn't a good year for me. I want you to be able to look back and go, glory to God, the hand of God was on me. And I went through some stuff, but I'm telling you, here I am alive, and God is faithful to his word. And it, look, it may not look like much is going on on the outside, but there's something going on on the inside here, man. There's a fire. Amen. There may be snow on my roof, but there's a big fire burning down inside. Amen. He said, look, I want to charge you. You're going to have to wage warfare. So let me give you the word of the Lord for this coming year. 2020 will be a new door that you've never been through before. It will bring supernatural increase like you have never experienced before. Now that, on top of that, that's where the Lord spoke to me about this coming year. What you increase, I will increase. In his kingdom, I'm talking about. Increase your Bible reading, and you will increase in revelation and understanding. Increase your praying in tongues, if you're praying in tongues, and you will increase in the sensing the power of the Holy Spirit on your life. Increase your church attendance. And you will grow, grow, grow. Powerful things will happen as we increase because God is decreeing that. See, we talk, think about supernatural increase. We think about, oh, man, I'm going to get more money. Money is just a very small. In fact, I would say money is the least thing that you need to be concerned about with this now because there's a lot of other areas. You know, when your spiritual life is growing, it will reflect into your finances. Uh, things will happen. See, what you, were, what you focus on is where you go. So if everything becomes focused, you know, when we talk about supernatural increase, we're not talking about just so you can have more money in your bank account or you can have a bigger retirement or you can buy a new boat, even though I have no problem with any of those things happening. But our Bible teaches us, in Jesus' own words, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to us. What I increase, if I increase my giving, then I will experience supernatural increase. But, but look, it's wrong for me to think that I will increase if I'm not increasing anything. I got a garden out back behind my house. My first year doing a garden, it was it was this, it was probably as wide as this stage, maybe a little bit a little wide area here, maybe maybe another row over, all right. And it was maybe about as long, I guess, close to it. So we could only plant the capacity to plant. Now watch this was only so big, but let's take it another step. The capacity to receive was only so big. Now God blessed my corn, but He didn't bless corn I didn't plant. I had an abundant harvest compared to what I planted. Okay. And it does no good for me to go bellyache to God about, I don't know why you didn't give me more corn than I got, because your capacity to receive 
is directly related to your capacity that you've created. If you make room, it will grow. It will produce. Amen. So you know what I did last year? I increased my garden. I made it bigger. I probably compl- about at least a half size, if not double the size of what it was. And guess what? This is really amazing. You're going to love this. When I had more room, I could plant more. And then guess what happened at the end? I got more. Because your capacity to, listen, your capacity to receive is in direct correlation to the capacity that you make room for. If you don't expect God to do anything, God isn't going to do anything. If you make room for God to do something, God is, that's why whenever, just like our, I'm not trying to talk about giving, but it's just a great example. When I take my tithe and offering out, I have created a void that only God can fill. But the great news is, is that he will infect the other 90% when I took out the 10%. Man, that's good preaching. And I, look, I love that I, got, I could keep all 100% and I'd probably get by. But I don't want to just live on that the rest of my life. I want to increase because here's what happened with my garden. This was so cool. I had so much that I had to start finding people to give it away to. It's like our chickens, man. We had we started with seven. Then we went to ten. Then two died. They, they just fell over dead. I don't know what happened. But you know what? We didn't, we didn't sit there and go, well, God, we just expect that you're going to make them seven or those eight chickens in there produce what ten would do, God. No, you know what we did? We went out and bought six more chickens. Six more chickens. Because your capacity to receive is directly in correlation to the room, the capacity that you create. Amen. And I, so we got, you know, my rooster, man, he's in hen heaven. I mean, he's just like, all he does is mate all day. That's all he does, just chase hens around the yard, and he's exhausted. Because you're only supposed to have how many, 12 for it? Oh, you could do 14. So he's at his limit. We throw one more in there, and he's probably finished. <laughs> but here's what happened. We created capacity. Increase began to come. Then one day, we went from getting five eggs a day to getting eight eggs a day. Then we were getting 10 eggs a day. Then we would get nine eggs and eight eggs. and ten. I can't eat all them eggs, man. So what do I got? I got in. See, increase means you got more than you need. You got more than you need. So you know what I do? I just, Sharon and I, we were talking about this, you know, because we sold eggs for a while, and, you know, that we were selling them, like, for $250 a dozen, and people were buying them. You know, if you put organic on anything, people will buy it today. The only thing you'd sell it better is, is if I grew a beard and put a bonnet on Sharon. (laughs) 
Huh? We could sell baked goods. And people buy them like crazy, man. Well, they, it's got to be good because look at them guys. They got it. They know, those, them people know how to cook now. Right. All right. Anyways. So we were selling them, you know, and we had, it, it was okay. And I mean, we'd put all the money in a little, actually, we were saving the money up so that we could butcher them. And, uh, you know, get them clean, get the feathers pulled off of them so we wouldn't have to do all that. And, uh, and I, the Lord said to me, look, giving your eggs away, I'll bless you more than you could ever get blessed by selling them eggs for $2.50. Do you know what we did? We had so much. We have so much, we just start giving them to people. We don't ask for anything in return, we just give it away. Man, Pastor, you're really blessed because you got so many eggs. Yeah, man. But look, I wouldn't have any eggs unless I made capacity. And if I only had three hens, I pretty much might not even have enough for breakfast. We already, we were just like, you know, we were just talking the other day. I know I'm telling farm stories, but... Um, it's part of, part of who we are. But, you know, we're breeding our pig this week. And we already are getting calls that people loved our pigs so much from last year that they're wanting to reserve. We had somebody call and reserve six pigs that aren't even born yet. They said that each of those pigs went for how many pounds worth? They were over, they were, hanging weight was 200 pounds per pig. They got that big. Now, they don't know it. But there's a farmer that believes in supernatural increase. Right? You say, well, what if some of them pigs would have died? Well, I got a verse for that. When the thief steals, the Bible says he has to return sevenfold in the book of Proverbs. So I'm declaring a sevenfold return on whatever I've lost. So I'm not going to lose no matter what. I don't lose because God, I'm using the principles of faith applied to our life. And we don't wait until the babies are born to start speaking that they're blessed. Man, we are laying hands on our hogs already. We're in the name of Jesus. You're fertile. You're going to have 12. Because, you know, if I can sell six, I can sell 12. She's got, a, she's got the capacity for 12, okay? Let's get to the full capacity. The only way to increase that capacity is do what? Get another hog, right? Now, you apply this to your life. How does this work for you? Where are you making room for God in your life right now? Where are you building? See, what limitations, what things are you saying, well, you know, listen, I, I would love for that to happen. Oh, I would love that was me. I would love that I had, you know, prosperity. I would love that my health was better. I'd love that, all these things. But I guess we'll just, we never know, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the Lord wants to do. And I'm going to tell you that that is the biggest bunch of hogwash you could ever believe. God does not work in mysterious ways. That's out of a song. That isn't even a Bible verse. Well, you're taking away my favorite phrase. Good. It's not biblical. You know, that's like the one guy that wanted to argue with me. Well, the Lord helps those who help themselves. You know, it says that in Proverbs. I said, show it to me. 
Well, I, I don't know where it's at, but I know it's in there. I said, I'll tell you what, it ain't in there. Now, does God help us when we sow? Yeah. But it don't say he helps those who help themselves. So here's my point with this. Where are you making room? Where are you making room? Is this the year that you shut the TV off in the evening and spend more time with God? Is this the year that you read through the Bible? Is this the year that you get involved in serving in your local church, putting your heart and effort to work? I mean, just giving yourself completely to the things of God. Listen, I know that, uh, that we, look, we all would agree that we want people to receive Christ. All of us would agree with that. We want our family to receive Christ. But here's the thing. They're not going to, at least as far as our influence, we got to get them here. We got to get them here. Do you know that about, I would guess, close to 80% of family members that are brought to, and friends that are brought to our church services get born again? Now, there's always two there that just, you know, two out of ten that they're thinking about it. But about, we have seen that when people bring people to church, they get saved. We, only, we had 32 people come to Christ. I'm sorry, I'm telling you wrong. We had, because uh, we had two last weekend. We had 34 people come to Christ this year in our ministry. But that's awesome. But a church our size, there's no reason that couldn't be 100. Couldn't be 200, come on. We have a discipleship deal that we can do with people to take them all the way through to get them spiritually enabled and prepared and in the word. And uh, all we're waiting is on God's people to make room. To make room. How about this is the year we pull the trigger and say, I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm going to read through the Bible. This is the year I'm going to pray. I'm going to take my evenings and spend more time with God. This is the year that I'm going to, whatever that is, that I'm going to take time. You know, um, you know, we all get upset when you have kids. You get upset at the things they do. The worst thing you can do is spend your time griping about what they do. The best thing you can do is get on your knees and pray for them. The and I'm not just talking about a real quick prayer when you're on your way to something else. I'm talking about that you actually get on your knees and you talk to God about how that you can pray for your children, how you can pray for their soul, how you can pray for their future, how you can pray for where they are. God, what things could I say to them that would encourage them about you? What things could I write to them, God, that I could you know, communicate with them? God, what things would you have me do to be a part of their story? Is this the year you're going to do that? These, these are questions I just have. I, I can't tell you what to do. I know this. For me and my house, 2020 is going to be a year of supernatural increase. It's a year of supernatural increase. Your increase, you increase your capacity to receive by increasing your capacity to invest. You want it to be a year like no other year? I'll finish with this. My pastor, he's, I'm going to be doing next uh, Saturday with him four programs that will be broadcast internationally, actually. Um, they'll be on Kenneth Copeland's network. They'll be all over the place where we're going to talk about the word of the Lord. I'm going to share some of this on there with him. Um, 
you know, he's my pastor, so I don't want to talk whenever he's talking. He's got, God's given him a very strict word for this year. There are two clouds. There are two clouds. One is a cloud of blessing, and one is a cloud of despair. It reminds me of the Azusa Street Revival when it broke out out in California. There were people, you'd have two guys like Mike and Joe sitting here. And the power of God would be on Joe so strong. And I'm just illustrating, okay, so this isn't anything against you. Would be so strong on Joe that he could barely, he would grab onto the side of his chair to try to stay in his chair because the power of God, the glory of God was pushing him to the floor. And there'd be a guy sitting right next to him, stone cold, experiencing nothing. Wondering what is wrong with that goofball. My pastor said there'll be two clouds that'll be over the United States especially. One's a cloud of blessing. And one will be a cloud of great filth. It'll be a cloud. He says, run to the cloud of glory. About, uh, about probably about a month ago, I had a dream, and uh, we were in church together. I knew we were at Amazing Grace. It, you know, sometimes when you have dreams, it doesn't look like Amazing Grace, but it was amazing. I mean, the, you say, well, were the chairs green? Does that really matter? Okay. <laughs> Maybe it was a future Amazing Grace when we got rid of the green chairs, okay? But there were things that were happening. One of the things that happened is I saw how that, uh, how that God was pleased that we allowed and gave permission for our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters to start a church here. How he is so pleased with that, that we're reaching out to the, I mean, the Hispanic community is being affected because of that. I mean, he's very, very happy about that. And what happened was, is, is that we were sitting there in the service, we were worshiping and, and, and uh, you know, we were singing and praising the Lord. And then uh, the lights went up. And when the lights went up, all I could see was a cloud of glory over the whole congregation. I couldn't see it when it was dark. I couldn't see the cloud of glory when all the lights were out. But as soon as those lights came on, you could see, and it was so thick, you couldn't even see the this stage. Look, I will run to that cloud of glory. I, I don't care. You say, well, well, you'll look stupid. Who cares? I, hey, when I got drunk, I looked pretty stupid. I didn't care. I take the Holy Ghost any day. I'll take the power of the Lord any day. I've done a, you know, David said, look, you think I look stupid, foolish? I'm going to look much more foolish than this. I don't care what you think about what I'm doing. I, what I care about is, is that God wants to do something in me. I'm not going to allow your lack of faith to stop me from getting where God wants me to be. Amen. Run to the cloud. Run to the glory. Or as we used to say in early charismatic movement, get under the spout where the glory is coming out. Stand with me if you would. Did you get anything out of this? Supernatural increase. Hallelujah. What could you increase in capacity in your life right now? Well, pastor, I'm busy. Okay, let's do this. What could you drop 
so that you can add. Because you can't add everything and keep everything. You have to give up to go up. The higher we want to go, the more we have to release. The more we want to experience, okay. So you don't know what every episode of This Is Us is about this coming year. So you miss out on ER if you or whatever's on. I don't know what all's on. But you're giving up for something greater. We're running from the filth of the world into the beauty of our God. So I'm going to close the service with just asking you if you want to come to the altar, you want to kneel down here today and say, Lord, I'm going to, I really want to move forward in this in my life. Go ahead, do it now. You don't have to wait for me to push you up here. Just do it. We cannot, we should not have to beg God's people to receive what he wants to do for them. If you're feeling in your heart that this needs to be the time for you, this is it. This is the time. 2020 is my year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let go. I'm going to build capacity. I'm going to make room. I'm going to make room for God. I'm going to make room for him in my finances. I'm going to make room for him in my health. I'm going to make room for him in my marriage. I'm going to make room for him with my family. I'm going to make room for God. I'm just going to end my worship. I'm going to make room for him to do what he needs to do, what he wants to do. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. I'm going to make room for God in my business. I'm going to get God more involved in my business, in the business that I run. Look, that's a great thing. Listen to the Holy Spirit. One idea from God could cause all kinds of things to work out that you're struggling with right now. Father, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Somebody here, I don't know if you're at the altar or not.